The following broadcast by the Kingdom Voice, Dr. Dana Carson, is made possible through DCKM Partners. Dr. Carson teaches the power of the kingdom in its original Jewish context that will revolutionize and transform your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Check out our website, drdanacarson.org, where you can hear much more from the Kingdom Voice. DCKM, Dana Carson, Kingdom Ministries. In today's broadcast, Dr. Dana Carson, the Kingdom Voice, teaches a powerful lesson on spiritual gifts. Today's message is titled, Working with Your Spiritual Gifts, coming from Romans chapter 1, verse 11, and chapter 11, verse 29. In Romans 11, and and Romans 11, 29, we've been using that as the basis of our studies. And we've said that um, we've used the... Uh, premise of Paul, Romans 1 and 11, he says, I desire to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. And then in Romans 11 and 29, Paul says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance or regret. And so we've been talking about uh, thematically. Now, I did discuss in Romans 11 and 29, as well as Romans 1 and 11, I did a contextual exegetical lesson on each of these passages within their context before I took the theme out of it and then start following the theme of gifts and callings. So in our series of teachings, uh, the gifts and the callings of God, uh, we've examined them through the lens of Paul. Uh, we've established that there is a great need for spiritual gifts in order for you and I to be effective in the call of discipleship and evangelism. I'm going to say it again. There is a great need for spiritual gifts if you and I are going to be effective in the call of discipleship and evangelism. Here is where the challenge comes in. The challenge is spiritual gifts are connected to the call and the call of discipleship. The call is this uh, discipleship and evangelism. And when people are not engaged in the call, there is no need for the gift. The believer or, or, or Christ follower must have, we established, dual impact when it comes to evangelism on the person that we are attempting to bring to the, to the crown by way of the cross. We, uh, when we're dealing with an unbeliever, a sinner, someone who's lost, we've got to make dual impact, dual impact in the spirit and then dual then impact on the person. We have so we've got to impact principalities and people, and that's 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 all involved in our walk. Now you may say, "Man, that stuff sounds real complicated." That shows us just how carnal we are. That shows us just how much out of the will of God we are. Because what I'm talking about is elementary in the scriptures. What I'm talking about is rudimentary in the scripture. What I'm talking about is fundamental 
in the scripture. What I'm talking about are the ABCs of a walk in a relationship with Christ. Uh, we have to have spiritual impact uh, on principalities and the people that God is sending us to if they're going to get saved. We must bind the strong man in order to spiritually prevail and get a breakthrough for the unsaved person. The Bible says, except in, in Matthew 12, 29, except one bind the strong man, he cannot go into his house and take possession of his goods. And every unsaved person, Satan sees himself as the Lord and the God of their life. He is possessive over them and he has them bound and blind. And you and I, in order to get someone saved or bring them to the, uh, to the crown by way of the cross, we got to make dual impact with principalities and people. We've got to make an impact on the person through sharing of the gospel and our personal witness and testimony that, that will cause them to choose Christ and have a change of heart. Now, so we've got to bind the principality and we've got to uh, persuade the person uh, through the gospel and our testimony. And we've got to bind the, the strong man through the power of the Holy Spirit. And also spiritual gifts uh, causes him to be bound because we're now being strategic in the spirit. And so we're now uh, moving in an area where he's tried to keep people in darkness, blind to the gospel and blind to the cause of Christ. Now, because of spiritual gifts, God unleashes with us a snippet of his omniscience and gives us a little knowing power in order to give them a little light power so that they can see things that they've not seen and wonder about how did you know this, that, and, uh, and the other. And so spiritual gifts help you to be effective. We're constantly trying to bring people to the cross and the crown, and we're trying to do it from an intellectual perspective. But intellectualism does not tell you or give you insight of who Jesus is. And they've got to come to know who Christ is. The reason they're lost is they don't know Christ. And the reason they don't know Christ is because 2 Corinthians 4 3 and 4 said that Satan has blocked out the light of his image and he is dominating them so he has them bound and blind and so therefore it is our responsibility to help them come to know who Christ is and the way they can come to know who Christ is is through us working with spiritual gifts. Now, uh, we, we've discussed that each believer, beloved, has been provided with gifts that accompany the call of evangelism and discipleship. And so, Romans 11 and 29 says the gifts and the callings. Uh, the gifts, the charisma, 
and the callings eclectos or uh, which uh, means uh, so we get election but it's uh, uh, the uh, kaleo excuse me I'm sorry call the call the call uh, are those who have been called by God and they have the gifts are those who have been empowered for the call so you have to understand that each one of us should be operating in spiritual gifts. So if you're not operating in your spiritual gift, that means that you're not effective in that call. And so how many years have you been walking and being ineffective in your call? Don't you want to hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant? You don't just want to be walking around in mark time. You don't want to just be uh, uh, just waiting till your end come. Uh, don't you want to hear him say, well done? Well, you got to get off the bench, get in the game. You know, when I was a I was a basketball player and and I played played ball and uh, uh, it was it was an amazing experience for me. I love basketball. When I came out of high school, I was on the WGCI BMX All-Star team. And uh, we played in Kennedy, Kennedy King uh, Junior College. Uh, man, it was such an exciting time for me. But one of the things that uh, my goal was is that I have to get off the bench and I got to get in the game. There were scouts there and they couldn't see me on the bench. I, they couldn't tell me well done and I never got in the game. Some of you have never gotten in the game. What do you mean, Dr. Carson, never got in the game? I go to church and I give my tithe and my off. What do you mean not in the game? I'm talking about the game of discipleship and evangelism. You don't know what it is to taste the blood of Jesus cleansing the sin of a sinner. You don't know how rewarding it is to open the eyes of the blind, to snatch them out of the power of darkness and break the back of the enemy and watch someone receive the forgiveness of sin and get in alignment with God. It is a sweet, sweet, sweet experience. And you've got to experience, you've got to know what it feels like to bring someone to Christ. Why, Dr. Carson? Why? Well, because that's why God saved you. God didn't save you and leave you here so you can get better saved. God, he saved you and then he left you here to be discipled so that you can then learn how to bring others to the cross of Christ as the pathway to the kingdom. And so the call of God is to be a disciple. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them how to obey whatever I've taught you. Well, this is the model, the paradigm for discipleship and the call. God has called you to go make disciples. Mathetuo is the Greek word, tamadin, or tamen is uh, the Hebrew word, uh, disciple. Go make a fully functional follower of Jesus Christ. 
teaching them all that he taught us in the Gospels. Well, that's your call, beloved. Your call is not to be a doctor. Your call is not to be an engineer. Your call is not to be a janitor. Uh, listen, what happens? See, you can't retire from a call. You die out of a call. You can retire from a career. So the call of God is to be a disciple and a witness. Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in the uttermost parts of, of the world. God has called you to be a disciple, a witness, who is a living epistle, which is a message from God. Your life is to be a message from God. A royal priesthood, you're an official mediator of the kingdom. People can come in through you. You a chosen person. That means you are God's elect. You're a holy nation. That means you've been set aside for the exclusive work of God, which means God has set you aside as a light to the world. Beloved, the call of God is not your purpose. The call of God is his purpose. God calls you according to his purpose. And that may seem like semantics. That may seems like, seem like a little bitty thing. Oh, but that's what breaks the bank right there. Everybody's talking about what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? That is the quest and the, uh, the inquiry uh, of the sinner. What is my purpose? That's what Erickson uh uh, helps you to kind of uh, resolve in the flesh or on the human side of things. But when you experience God, you have a higher calling. And your calling is not like what people consider their call to be that don't have a relationship with God. And they see themselves being called to change the world through law, through medicine, through da-da-da-da. And I want you to know that none of those things convert the sinner. None of those things causes anyone not uh, to miss hell and go to heaven. None of that. Now, listen, they're, 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 they're noble and, and, and honorable causes that we all are glad that people feel a sense of commitment to, but they do this out of uh, a career orientation. And so, but when we talk about the call of God, we're talking about the call of God is according to God's purpose. You know, Romans 8 and 28 says, um, now we know all things work together for good for them who love the, war, uh, love the Lord. And it says this, quote, for those who love the Lord, quote, and are the called, kaleo, those who've been invited and summoned to uh, the events of God, the call according to his prothesis, his purpose, his beforehand research, which means God called you to do something that was his plan. So the Bible tells us many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. 
And so this little discrepancy, whether you believe it or not, this uh, causes confusion with your giftings. See, because the gifts go along with the call. And if the call is confused, then the gift's going to be confused. So uh, the gifts are, are provided for uh, the call to be effective in their call of discipleship and to be a witness. Now, the source of the call is God the Father. Uh, uh, it's, 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 it's important as we look at the scriptures that uh, that we understand that God is the source of our call, not career, not what the world needs, what the voids are of society. The source of the call of God is the Father. Then the source of the ascension gifts, and I'm going to talk about that, is God the Son. And then the source of the gifts, the empowerment or enabling or grace gifts is the Holy Spirit. Now, as I mentioned, we have different categories of gifts that uh, we will examine the scriptures uh, and discover that these gifts are given by the king, uh, not only tonight his servants, uh, uh, he doesn't just give us gifts to knight us with power to do his business, but to endow us and provide us an anointing that uh, causes us to be thoroughly equipped and prepared for the work of the kingdom. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We have to have uh, spiritual insights and gifts and tools and equipment or we are no contest for Satan. And so we've got to have these gifts. So unfortunately you and I are living in a dispensation where Christ and his teachings have been put out the church and motivational speeches based upon secular humanism and pop psychology have arrested the pulpit and churchgoers have embraced the spirit of maximization of the self and have totally abandoned the denial of the self, which is the basis of salvation. Jesus stated that we must pick up our cross and deny ourselves in order to be a disciple. Paul states, in order for us to follow Christ, we must personally identify with his crucifixion, Galatians 2 and 20. As a result, Paul states that he dies daily. We have to die every single day to our carnal passion and desire. Because of this ambiguity, there is big confusion over the issue of purpose. Because people are trying to live to themselves and maximize themselves and not die to themselves, there is a lot of confusion. And a lot of people feel like, well, are you telling me I can't be nothing if I'm saved? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that you have to prioritize God and discipleship and evangelism has to be your number one priority. It stays with you all the way to the point 
of transitioning into heaven. That call is on your life. Careers don't. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. I'm going to talk about the uh, uh, gifts and talents and career and calling. Now, we don't. When, when we don't understand our purpose, though, we compromise our call. And when we compromise our call, we replace it with our careers. This is the problem today. We have replaced calls with careers and gifts with talents. So let's talk talents and gifts for a little bit. Uh, still got about 10 minutes. Let me, let me, let's talk talents and gifts uh, What's the difference? Here, here's a great question. Was Michael Jordan gifted or talented? Now, if you would look at the last dance and you would hear everybody uh, talk about him, they would tell you that he was a ball god and that he was extremely gifted. But the Bible talks about gifts. So what do we get this concept gift from? Now, that means that there's a secular uh, definition of gifting, and then there's a biblical definition of gifting. So, uh, the secular definition deals with being extremely advanced above the norm and the average in your skill set. But when we talk about gifting and talents, or gifting in the Bible, that's different. So was Michael Jordan gifted or talented? Did what he possess in skills and ability, was it a result of a gene pool and temperament or was it innately a part of who he was and what he does? Now, I mean, was, that, was he born with this or was, was his ability due to his discipline, his constant getting up, going in the gym early, being the first to practice, the last to leave, taking uh, so many shots a day. Same thing with Kobe Bryant. What, what did they, if they didn't get up in the, and go to the gym and do those things, would they still have been as good as they are? And the answer is no. So we've got to answer the question when we say, uh, was Michael Jordan gifted or talented? So what is talent? Now, talent can be seen as uh, clandestine or hidden endowments of, of, of God that travel through the gene pool of the unregenerate, un, unregenerate. That's talent, where people have a certain propensity or proclivity towards uh, their genetically predisposed towards a particular thing. Like athletes, uh, when you come from an athletic family, you can have an athletic gene pool. Or you come from a family of mathematicians and intellectual eggheads. I'm saying, man, that you can come out of that gene pool and if you, if you, uh, perfect that and be very disciplined, it'll come easier for you than it does others. Talents are natural abilities that people t tend to have uh, superior ability. So you're talented 
when you have above average ability, but that ability comes through hard work and discipline, a desire and an appetite. You're genetically predisposed for things. It's like Michael Jordan loved the game. He loved the game more than most. He loved it. And as a result, temperamentally, uh, he was what you would call a choleric melancholic. And when you put those two temperaments together, man, that's, that's, the, that's the temperament of assassin. So Michael Jordan was an assassin man in the game. He did not want to lose. He could not stand being wrong, inadequate, or having an inability. So he worked on every weakness he saw he had. He did try to outplay everybody on the, on the court. Uh, so he was temperamentally driven to then work on his skill sets. And his skill sets, uh, he was predisposed, genetically predisposed to athletics. But he went on and took it to the next level by enhancing uh, these skill sets through discipline and hard work. So talents can uh, be developed. And so talents can be used for secular or natural advancements, but not the kingdom. Now, now, now that doesn't mean your talent can't work in the kingdom, but talents don't advance the kingdom. That means talent doesn't do anything in the world of the supernatural. Talents can be developed and enhanced through skill, training, and discipline. But now what is a gift? Gifts are clear. Uh, and they, they are clear and direct endowments from God the Father through the Holy Spirit. Gifts come straight from God the Father through the Holy Spirit. Now, gifts do not need to be developed, only utilized. Now, gifts, do, I'm going to say it again, you don't have to get in the gym and develop a gift. They, they only need to be utilized, they need to be understood, and then they can be maximized. Gifts are associated with spiritual ability. Spiritual ability is associated with the callings of God. Gifts are provided to the believer to assist in making the believer more effective in the call of God. Gifted people are people who are those uh, who should be using their gifts in order to bring people back to God. That's what we use spiritual gifts for to bring people back to God or to encourage the people of God to edify, to comfort them, uh, to uh, console them. Uh, and, and gifts are the rights of the believer. Every believer is gifted with a supernatural ability to fulfill their call. So Paul says, in Romans 11 and 29, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And in Romans 12, uh, 3 through 6, Paul tells us that we have different gifts. Gifts are connected to God, not talents. They're, they're, they are part of your genetic pool. Uh, gifts are connected to God and they are used 
to advance God's kingdom. Thank you for listening to the kingdom teaching of Dr. Dana Carson. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, visit drdanacarson.org slash radio. If you would like to know more about the kingdom and your faith, we invite you to enroll in the Kingdom Bible University. Check this out. Studying the Bible can be challenging if you don't understand what you're reading. As kingdom citizens, we are called to live out God's word in every moment of our lives. But we must understand the word in order to do that. The Kingdom Bible University was created to help believers learn God's word on a practical level and teach you how to live it out in your daily life. KBU desires to help you achieve the kingdom knowledge and empowerment of the Bible that helps you enhance your spiritual life to maximize your potential. Find out more information about KBU by visiting our website, www.kingdombibleuniversity.com. Understand the Bible like never before and experience the power that is within to change your life for God's glory. Learn more about KBU today. Before we end this broadcast, we would like to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now, acknowledging that I am a sinner and in need of your grace. Save me, Lord. Make me clean. All that I am, all that I have, I give to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If you said this prayer, we celebrate with you. And we invite you to join online to further your kingdom journey at therockwoi.com and click on join online. We would love to assist you through your new kingdom life and send you a free copy of Dr. Carson's book, My New Life in the Kingdom. We look forward to connecting with you. Hi, beloved. This is Dr. Dana Carson, affectionately known as the Kingdom Voice. You know, I work very, very hard to fulfill the purpose of God on my life and the church's life. And we take this gospel of the kingdom around the world. We are touching lives all over. We're touching lives globally. And I want you to partner with me so that we can do that in a more effective manner. And also that fruit may abound to your account. Every time I preach the gospel, that means that you're there preaching it with me because you're providing the necessary support that allows me to reach nations and people all over the world. I need your support. I want you to partner with me. If you click the link, it'll tell you a little bit more about our partner's ministry. But will you partner with me? I want you to be able to say, I partner with Dana Carson Kingdom Ministry, and we take the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Thank you. God bless. In this gospel of the kingdom, the good and this bless across the world. The preceding broadcast has been brought to you by DCKM Partners, helping people to know God, make Him known to others, and spread the kingdom message around the world. Find out more at drdanacarson.org. DCKM, Dana Carson, Kingdom Ministry.